I think one of the problems with the long podcast is I'm not going to get a breakfast burrito. <laughs> they're all going to be they're all going to be claimed before we get uh, in. There. I don't know. I don't know how many more people are going to get off. All right, let's dig in. Welcome to the FFG Financial Insights Podcast, where you hear from the financial advisors of Ford Financial Group, and you hear us discuss the topics and answer the questions that we hear most often from you, our clients. My name is Brian Ullman. I'm a financial advisor here in the office. I'm joined by Ryan Louie, who's also an advisor here. Hi, everyone. Uh, Today, we're going to talk about the basics of Social Security benefits, and I will preface this by saying that this is probably going to be a little bit of a long podcast, because Social Security and Social Security benefits are pretty complex, uh, we're going to cover the basics and kind of give an overview, but even that takes time if we're going to get it right. So, um, so Ryan, did you know that Social Security is an 84-year-old program? Yeah, it's a old program. It, it is. It was started uh, in 1935. I think what that means, though, is that this has been Social Security has been a part of most people's lives for as long as they've been alive. You know, right. um, the generation that that has been here before Social Security might remember Social Security. The time before Social Security is, is starting to shrink and shrink and shrink. Um, a funny story here is that uh, my my grandmother, who's passed away, and her second husband actually, um, you used to go down to the post office when it first came out. Social Security first came out. Uh, you go down to the post office to get your Social Security number, and they were actually there was only they were, they didn't know it at the time. They got married decades later, but they lived in the same town. They were at the post office at the same time. And they were separated by one person in line. So their social security numbers were one digit apart, um, which is pretty wild. And they didn't figure that out until after they got married. They looked at the, their social security numbers were practically the same. Yeah, right. Like, oh, my gosh, we must have been in not, line together. Not, not too hard to memorize your spouse's social security number when they're only two digits well, Yeah, Yeah, exactly <laughs> right. With five and seven. Anyway, so, anyway, so that's how social security used to go when, when it got established. But now it's obviously different when people are applying online, doing all sorts of stuff. Um, so so let's kind of get one thing out of the way before we get into some of the, the basics. The the first question I get asked almost always when we're talking about Social Security with clients is, will Social Security be around for me? Uh, is it going away? Is it going bankrupt, et cetera? Um, my answer to that is a resounding yes. Uh, Social Security in its current form is fully funded through 2034. So we've got years before we begin running begin running into problems. After that, the system's going to be able to pay about eighty percent of promised benefits, um, provided no changes get made from here going forward. Right, right. Um, but there's been a number of changes that have been proposed or have been suggested that could yeah. help solve this problem. Right. Yeah. So one of the I think the biggest. Um, Things that the, they can do to help increase Social Security benefits or prolong them is changing the retirement age, which they've already have done because I think still a lot of people think that Social Security full retirement age is 65. Oftentimes when I do a presentation for a group, I, I find that there's several participants in the crowd that um, are surprised that the age already has been pushed out to as far as 67. Right. So this could continue to happen. I think that definitely for the younger generations, um, that maybe even needs to be expected. Um, yeah. You know, if you're I making a retirement plan and you're 30 years old, I don't know that you're going to – 
be thinking that the full social security age is going to be 67 for you, which it currently is, but can be changed. Right. Um, another way that um, social security can change the benefits and you know help increase things is by changing the payroll taxes. So the there's a maximum amount of money that you earn in a year that is subject to social security. They can change that number down the road, um, and then, you know it, it, it could be. A, Go, going up from what's what's the the rough number, Brian? One hundred thirty-eight thousand dollars. The first one hundred thirty-eight thousand dollars you earn is subject to social security tax. Um, it changes from year to year. It was one eighteen. Now I, I think it's up in the high one thirties at this point. So. so, what that leads to though is you know that doesn't stop them from changing it to two hundred thousand dollars down the road if sure. they feel like they really want to tax the high income earners and have you know have them help pay for Social Security benefits. Um, Another way that they could revise Social Security is by changing the formula. They can do this in a variety of ways. I'm not going to get into the intricacies of what numbers and what calculations are used to to make up this formula. Um, Another thing to consider, though, as any of these proposals or reforms come into play, they're probably going to be phased in over a long period of time. So, again, as we mentioned, that younger uh, generations may have to um, realize that the retirement age could be pushed out. They're the ones that probably could be more affected. Yeah, and and chances are, um, well, I mean, I think if if they're if politicians are revising the benefit or approving the re- revisions on the benefit formulas for current retirees, that's effectively political suicide. So the, the not to be cynical here, but the chances are the changes are going to be made. For younger people who have lower expectations of Social Security, who are likely not voting, quite frankly, um, and also uh, there isn't a silver bullet here. Uh, increasing the retirement age, changing the way they do payroll taxes, and messing with the benefit formula uh, to small degrees—all three of those things might happen. Sure, you know, it's, it maybe just isn't one solution. So, um, so here's the bottom line: if you are nearing retirement, or or thinking about retirement, or in your fifties or sixties. Uh, I do not worry about Social Security. It's there, it's funded, and it will be going forward. So, um, so, with, so let's get down to the basics, basics here. Uh, and I'll start here with number one, which is how do you become eligible for Social Security? And the answer is that you need to work. You, specifically, you need to work in a Social Security covered job for 40 quarters, or more simply put, 10 years worth of work. Um, now, a Social Security covered job are, is a job where you are paying into Social Security taxes. So if you're in a job that doesn't pay into Social Security but pays into a pension, uh, so teachers or railroad workers are often you know, kind of cited as examples of this, um, then you're not going to get Social Security. Um, or I'm not going to get into this, but in another podcast we can discover if you've worked in both kinds of jobs, not Social Security covered and Social Security covered, um, you might kind of be eligible have, for have some overlap, but there's some windfall provisions that you need to be mindful of. But simply put, you got to work 10 years paying into Social Security, and that's how you become eligible for the basics. So, Okay, so let's uh, talk about how benefits are calculated. Um, the exact amount of your benefits is not calculated until you're actually 62 years old. Um, at that point, your earnings are indexed to um, a wage inflation. Once that's been done, uh, Social Security tallies up your highest 35 years of earnings. Um, if you've worked less than 35 years, the years that you didn't work are counted as zeros. Obviously, zeros are not 
good in this right. in this case. Low numbers are not good in this case. <laughs> yeah, zero. So a number plus zero doesn't get you any higher. Right. Um, lots of people worry about slowing down or maybe even re- reducing their work as they get closer to retirement. Um, that can have effect on Social Security. But in short, that doesn't necessarily drag you down, and it may even still even bump you up if your lowest earning years um, on your list of thirty five years um, is is low. You know, if you're still earning something in your later years and it's higher than that, it, it still could possibly benefit you. Yeah, yeah. I, I I hear questions from clients that say, "Well, you know, someone's in their mid sixties and they want to slow down, work half time, part time, nurse working per diem or something like that." And they say, "Well, I'm worried about by earning less, I'm going to draw, I'm going to drag down my social security benefits." And that's just not how it, that's just not how it works. Right. Um, if you earn a little. You and it's more than your 35th highest year of earnings, you're actually going to improve your social security benefits. Um, and if it doesn't get higher than that, you can't, you're not going to hurt yourself. Yeah, well, let's give it like a quick example. Say, say a nurse is working and, um, you know, she full time was making, say, $90,000 and she's going to go down part time now, she's making $60,000. There's a good chance that that $60,000 that she's making is still higher than, you know, maybe some of the earnings that she was making when she was 25. Well, yeah. I mean, if you think about it this way, if, if, and it's different for men and women too, right? So, uh, for men, you have, you might be dropping off those early years where you were working an entry level job or something like that. We're paying into social security. So that may drop off for women. It's particularly important because if women exit the workforce, to have kids and and stay away for let's say five six years or even longer, um, working a little bit longer will even have a bigger benefit because you're going to be dropping off those zero years right. um, when you when you took time out to raise a family. So right. um, so that's important as well. Um, but women and taking time out to raise a family, you don't get a totally raw deal because there's some spousal benefits that we'll go over as well. So. Um, so let's talk about now the kind of the third item we wanted to cover is when can you receive benefits, uh, and the 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 key number that everything pegs off of is your full retirement age. So depending on your age, it's going to be somewhere sixty six to sixty seven. Um, at your full retirement age, you receive your full Social Security benefits. Your full benefits are called your PIA or your primary insurance amount. So we'll just call them full benefits here. So. You can take benefits as early as age 62, but, there's a big but here, your benefits, your full benefits will be permanently reduced if you do that. Um, and depending on your birth year, you could receive as low as 70 or 75% of your full benefits or your primary insurance amount. Um, this also, it's, it, and so this, this lower, receiving fewer benefits or a lower number in benefits goes on your whole life and it affects you even further because your cost of living adjustments are pushed against a smaller number as well. We'll get on Nicola's in a second, but, um, it's, it is a permanent reduction and it's important if you're going to take it 62, don't do it because you think social security is going to run out of money and really, really consider whether it's the right choice. I think you have to talk to your financial advisor, and and sort this out and just don't do it on a whim because there there are permanent um, repercussions to doing that to taking it early. There there's a flip side as well where if you wait past your full retirement age to take benefits, your Social Security benefits will increase by eight percent a year up to age seventy. 
Ryan, can you think of an investment that's going to guarantee eight percent a year for three or four years? No, I think uh, you know the, the key word is guarantee, and guarantee is a hard thing because we're not really supposed to guarantee anything in, in no. our industry. But on the social security side, definitely eight percent is pretty much guaranteed. Is is almost as good as it gets. Yeah, I mean, I think if there's not guaranteed, they may there may be adjustments made to the delayed credit calculation or something. But beyond that, uh, waiting. What does they say? If you're healthy or wealthy, you wait. Um, if you can afford to wait, it's it's pretty obvious in the math that you stand to benefit by waiting. Um, at least if you're going to live past your kind of mid to late seventies, mm-hmm. usually your lifetime collection of benefits it pays to wait. Basically, right. your cumulative total, your cumulative total of what you've collected from Social Security. So, okay, so the next the next topic is a uh, cost of living adjustments that um, apply to Social Security. So, some people that get the pensions, for example, there are pensions out there that don't have a cost of living adjustment. So, if you receive a thousand dollars a month, it's always going to be a thousand dollars a month. Social Security does have a cost of living adjustment uh, adjustment, which is good. Um, it happens every or it's calculated every October. Uh, the administration does that and then is applied uh, monthly to the monthly benefits um, starting in the following January. Uh, COLA is also applied to benefits that haven't been paid yet. So, for example, if a retiree is 62 and waits for more years to receive benefits, the uh, primary insurance amount will be increased each year by the amount of the announced cost of, live, of, cost of living adjustment. Um, when he finally receives the benefit is likely to be higher than the primary insurance amount that was calculated when he was 62. Um, so Social Security um, trustees estimate that the annual inflation rate is actually 2.6%. So this gives you a, an idea of what you can expect or maybe gauge off of when you start how much your cost of living adjustments will be in the future. Yeah, no, one, no one's getting rich off of cost of living adjustments, and really they're designed to keep up with inflation. So whatever your Social Security benefits can buy for you in goods and services now – your Social Security benefits should be able to buy for you in goods and services 5, 10, 15 years down the road. So, right. Um, okay, so let's pivot a little bit and kind of change. Instead of instead of talking about the calculation of benefits and COLAs and, and primary insurance amounts, let's talk also about, we touched on this earlier, spousal benefits. Um, I, I, we'll go through kind of in order benefits for spouses, benefits that, uh, after a divorce, and benefits after someone dies or is, is widowed. Um, so starting with the spousal benefits, I think the, the basics here, if we're covering basics, is that a, a married person with little or no earnings history is eligible to receive a spousal benefit equal to half of the working spouse's primary insurance amount or the benefits. So I will use myself as an example. My wife stays at home and raises our kids and takes care of our family, a difficult job, but one that doesn't pay into Social Security. So to ensure that she's not left out in the cold, Social Security allows her to collect half of the benefits that I accumulate over my lifetime of working if they're higher than hers. So um, uh, that's kind of, it's, it's an important element here to make sure that people aren't being left out if they're deciding to not enter the workforce but be part of a productive kind of family, right? Um, and also, just like taking on your own benefits, spousal benefits can be reduced if you take 
early. So if, if you're if you're taking your spousal benefit at 62, it's going to be lower than if you were taking at your full retirement age. So this is where working with a financial advisor can really come into play and can benefit you, can, can turn into tangible benefits here. Because coordinating spousal benefits, particularly between a high-earning couple where two people are earning pretty healthy salaries, it can provide some incredible opportunities to draw earlier with a little effect on your lifetime collective benefits, or it can give you an opportunity to maximize your combined benefits by trading off a spousal benefit here and switching to your own or, or someone's taking early, someone's taking late. Um, you can really um, strategize your Social Security benefit-taking decisions um, to maximize things. So, um, And something that's new and, and I, think, I think interesting and, and probably overdue is same-sex couples who are now legally married – uh, can be eligible for Social Security spousal benefits the same way as any other married couple. So if you're married, you're married, and Social Security benefits are available to you as a spouse just like just like for anybody else. Right. So, um, and so once you talk about spousal benefits, we're talking about the benefits of being, uh, married. Of being married. Now, what happens to the benefits if you divorce? Yeah, so if you – in the divorce situations, uh, there's some rules that definitely go along with it like anything else with Social Security. Um, you can receive spousal benefits if you're divorced if you were married for at least 10 years um, and currently uh, – and you currently stay unmarried. So that's, that's, a, that's a big key to this and we have clients that sometimes will – um, you know, get divorced and then, um, you know, get into another relationship down the road and then they have to realize the the downfalls or the pitfalls sometimes of if you get remarried, do you end up losing some benefits that you would have had and, and you have to start doing some planning and some math. Yeah, yeah. You're go not getting remarried this. or not getting remarried for the money, um, but At the it same, affects the money. It does affect the money, <laughs> definitely. Know? Um, and if you're, you know, if your your spouse does not need to apply for his or her credit to actually receive the benefit, um, if you've been divorced for two years, so I know this is one of the issues is that you know, client has been divorced for years and years now, and uh, when they are thinking about trying to apply for a spousal benefit, um, they worry about you know, do I have to get my ex involved? Do you to need be, their permission? Yes. Do and do I have to, do, what do I, you know, do I have to get them involved? Do I have to have a call social security bill to be able to get some information, um, et cetera. So, so no, you don't have to, to do that. Um, you don't need the earnings history. You just have to be, pre- have present proof that you were married and divorced. Um, again, for, for that, for that 10 year yeah, period. They need identifying information. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And, and uh, I think an important thing also is that um, if you're taking your spousal benefit after a divorce, it doesn't affect your ex-spouse's benefit. They'll never right. know. They don't know. They don't know if you're taking. It doesn't mess with them. And frankly, if someone has been married several times over, let's just use an example. Um, Danny Divorce has been divorced three times yeah. and he has three ex-wives um, and making sure that kind of they fall into the right categories here. These three women could all take spousal the spousal share of his benefit, and it doesn't affect the other ex wives, and it doesn't affect Danny divorce in this yes. example either. And so, some interesting kind of um, elements that come to well, and to, to add a layer on top of that too. Danny, Danny divorce in that situation, if, assuming let's just say he was married to each of the three wives for ten years, he can pick the highest. If he if he was to use one of them as to, to receive spousal support, oh yeah, no, it them, cuts both ways. He can he can he can choose the wife that had the highest earnings to benefit himself. Absolutely, too. absolutely, yeah. It's um, 
it's uh, it cuts both ways for right. everybody. Right? Um, okay, so so we covered divorce here just briefly. Now it gets more complicated than this. I think in all of these subjects get more complicated. So it's important if you have more questions that you get a hold of us. Um, but the, the last item that we're really going to cover uh, the basics of is widowhood um, because people die uh, and spouses die. And so if you're receiving benefits when your spouse dies, your deceased spouse's benefits will stop. So Jane and John Schmo, one of them dies, the deceased person's benefits will stop and the widow or widower will be entitled to receive the higher of the two benefits. So if, if one person's receiving 2000 a month and another person's receiving 1000 a month, the 1000 will go away and the 2000 will remain in this instance. Um, but this is, I will get, take a quick detour. This is where waiting till 70 matters because if you're waiting longer and you have a higher benefit, your surviving spouse will be able to keep more. Right, take more, and sometimes sometimes that plays into the dynamics of the marriage in the sense that let's say the higher earner is um, you know seven or eight maybe years older, and let's say the the, the higher earner is the male in this, in this um, case because males tend to pass away earlier, anyways. Yep. You know, part of that comes down to planning because if the the wife in this scenario is going to live a lot longer than the male is, yeah. um, it's going to be benefit her to have a much higher social Absolutely. security amount coming to her. Because here's like bottom line here, you receive, the widow or widower receives the actual benefits that the deceased was receiving. Not their primary insurance amount or their basic benefit, um, but their actual benefit, what they've been receiving. So if they started collecting at 69, that's the number you're going to get. Or if they start collecting 62, that's the number they're going to get, which is a permanently reduced number. So um, if you're worried about your surviving spouse, that needs to come into play if you're deciding when to take Social Security. So I know we've taken a detour from this, but um, it's also important to know, and this kind of falls after the divorce discussion, that if you remarry after becoming widowed, you're not eligible for a survivor benefit unless you're over age 60 when you remarry. So really what's going on here is Social Security is saying, okay, um, you've remarried. You have a spousal benefit now, now available to you, so you don't need to take the, the, the survivor benefit here. So, um, so some important kind of the, uh, when you're talking spousal benefits, divorce, and ma- marriage, and, and death and things, um, there are some kind of um, really nuanced rules that I think are important to kind of review with your financial advisor or with us to make sure that you're you're dotting your I's and crossing your T's in the right way. So, um, but this is the kind of the tip of the iceberg, right? It, it, I mean, we talked about the more there's more detail in topics we covered, but there are other kind of complex elements to Social Security that we haven't even touched on, like how working, continuing to work affects your Social Security benefits. If you're collecting benefits and you're still working, how does that happen? The taxation of those benefits, we didn't even co- touch on that. Right. That's a whole other ball of wax. Um, how benefits get paid out to dependents if you die. Um, how your pension income affects your benefits. We touched on that a little bit in some in some discussion. Uh, and then there are the nuts and bolts stuff, how to apply, how Social Security benefits relate to your Medicare benefits. Um, so... I think a huge resource – of course, you can always call us or email us or find us on the on the web. But Social Security also has a website that has a ton of information and it's now actually how people apply for benefits oftentimes. It's www.socialsecurity.gov. Um, 
I would say, and, and you might have some input on this, Ryan, one of the most important things you can do is log on to the Social Security website, make a profile, and get a copy of your Social Security benefit statement. Yeah, to, so to speak to this just real quickly, uh, you know, for a lot of us, we used to receive those green statements in the mail. Right. Um, and I don't know that everyone knows how the changes happen, but basically the people that will get a, a statement in the mail are if you're 60 and over, not receiving Social Security already, and don't have an online account. So that's a very small segment of the population that right. actually gets the statement in the mail now. The rest of us, if we want to find out the information, need to be proactive enough and actually sign on, create the accounts, yeah. and you know, grab grab the information. And online. I will say, just as a financial advisor, the those benefit statements are particularly important to us when we're crafting retirement plans and retirement projections and income projections for clients. Because it has earnings history, it has Social Security benefits, and what happens if you take early or what happens if you take late? We can do an analysis, a benefits analysis, to try and optimize when you're taking your Social Security benefits. So those statements are critical. Right. Um, so I really would urge everybody to log on and try and get their most recent statement. It's worth seeing. And, and to add to that, one more piece of that, um, it's worth going online and looking at that statement and actually looking at your earnings to make sure they're correct. This, this is a whole other subject that we won't get sure. into the details of like how to correct it and what that means. But you know, if you just even do an eyeball test and you know you look back ten years and you have a zero someplace where you know that you were working during that yeah, year, yeah, it's worth it's worth correcting. Yeah. So it's it's worth looking at and being aware of what your statement it, looks it, like. Social Security and retirement is too big of a part to just let it go on autopilot indefinitely. It really is right. So okay, well we we've been chatting longer than usual, but I think we covered a lot of ground. And uh, as always, we're honored and humbled if we're your advisors that you've given us the opportunity to serve as your financial advisors. I hope this podcast has been educational and helpful to you. Uh, if you have any thoughts on today's episodes or topics you'd like us to touch on further, um, you can always email us at info at fordfg.com. Uh, we're on the web at www.fordfg.com. Uh, and you can always call us. We actually have a toll-free number, 855-449-8669. Um, anything else we need to cover, Ryan, before we go? No, hope that you guys found this great and informational. Absolutely. All right. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. And now it's time for some disclosures. The advisors with Ford Financial Group are registered representatives with and securities are offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA and SIPC. Investment advice is offered through Ford Financial Group, a registered investment advisor and separate entity from LPL. The opinions voiced in this material are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. All performance referenced is historical and is no guarantee of future results. I think today we're really talking about Social Security performance. Um, All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly, even though we don't think we covered indices today. Uh, Stock investing involves risk, including loss of principal, and no strategy assures success or protects against loss. any economic forecast we went over today uh, is may not develop as predicted, and Ford Financial Group and LPL don't provide tax or legal advice or services. Uh, this information is not intended as a solicitation or an offer to buy or sell any security referred to herein. Thanks for listening.